0: this is linux in laws a podcast on topics around free and open source software any associated contraband communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments, any minors under the age of 35, or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs.
1: This is Linux in Season 1, Episode 76. Chris, how no are things?
0: Can't complain. What about you, Martin? It's sunny down here in northern Frankfurt. We just clocked in at, four, no, not 40 degrees Fahrenheit, but rather um, 80, 80, 85 degrees Fahrenheit today in Frankfurt. We're recording this October 2022, I think. That's
1: Otherwise, a... I think it's great. Sounds very pleasant. Sounds very pleasant. Uh, can't complain myself. Can't complain myself. I had a a nice discovery after the weekend. Um, Excellent. Some 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 uh, a friend of mine came over and he left me this USB stick with with ten bitcoin. It was very kind of him. I didn't really expect it, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs>
0: Brilliant! I thought it was twenty. <laughs> they <were wrong>.
1: Anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Full disclosure: Martin and myself, uh, and myself, had a working weekend where we fleshed out the path to world domination. After all, <laughs> and of course, Bitcoin played a very important role in that strategy. But this is not about us, but rather about open-source topic, and we are happy to introduce, or rather, to welcome a user of open source for the last couple of decades brian
2: why don't you introduce yourself hey guys thanks for the invite um appreciate it glad to spend the next um, hour or so with you guys and uh yeah i've known chris for some time we um worked together at some other companies um past life. And I've been in technology for way, way, way many decades. I guess I originally cut my teeth on a uh, Xenix, if I remember. So, I mean, that will obviously date me. A um, lot of hands-on technology work over the decades. Uh, what I've been doing most recently, though, is kind of been management roles um, at this part of my career. And obviously, open source is something, whether or not people know it, they're using it in any situations. So I have been a lot of different verticals, a lot of different industries um, on both sides of the fence being, you know, selling that stuff, deploying that stuff versus then trying to work on the other side of the fence where, you know, we're living with these decisions we made. Um, So just a lot of experience, um, broad field of vision at this point. Um, So yeah, and where am I? We have good weather, but, Unlike Chris and Martin, um, it's still kind of early morning for me because I'm on the West Coast of California, just uh, kind of around the San Francisco Bay Area. And, of course, so I... Brian is just a little bit modest. He has a vast comprehensive experience, and
0: that's exactly – especially in the, in the era of open source, I reckon. And that's exactly why we invited him to the show because the idea is basically for the next – almost hour, I reckon, to get a user's perspective of open source and probably also the challenges that are associated with that realm on the show. So, Brian, why don't we get uh, started with maybe how you came across open source initially
2: in your career? Sure. Yeah, initially, um, let's even say the open source model was working really, really well once the internet opened up, right? Like I said, you know, we had the SCO Xenix, all those, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, IP networks were not even in vogue. We used to get the muxes with their serial port stuff and everything was really, really locked in. Everything was crazy expensive, um, crazy buggy, was a big part of the issue, right? Everything was broken and you had to crawl on your hands and needs to go back to the vendor to get it fixed. Um, and that's just the way it was. Then as IP networks started opening up and people get stuff, even when it was something silly like, you know, the dial-up, or even if you were lucky to get just, you know, 10 megs in your office, um, you could start downloading new software pretty much from anywhere and then start playing and learning it. So it just opened up the world tremendously and maybe the features and functions weren't there in the very beginning. Um, and that was okay. Cause at least you could play with something else. Um, you know, fast forward really, really quickly. Uh, then the communities that were using it, um, they really strengthened it past the incumbent vendors. So, really really good you could then push on your vendors right you could influence their roadmap, saying hey if these people who are sitting home just jamming out this code playing with stuff being transparent if they can do it why am i paying you so much money and you're behind the times so that was a really good wedge to start doing something so uh that was really fun was
1: uh, any really fun. particular um uh, type of open source software you started using for first like
2: you know, yeah. The, yeah. Know, the, the, or, or something else. Right? So. Yeah. The the big one in the beginning was you know against uh one of the evil empires of Oracle. Right? So a lot, <laughs> right? Because it was like, wait a second. Evil? Evil? Not money? sure what you mean. <laughs> yeah. No, you, I mean, they're, they're running a business, but they're yeah. so brutal, right? And their revenue mm-hmm. cycles, right? So it's like it, you know, it's basically you know they're they're holding you hostage. So that kind of broke a lot of things out of the you know. Away from them, so kind of working with that quite a bit. Um, then even after that, right? So that's at a much lower level, right? Um, but then even after that, I used to work with um, this one proprietary language. If I go back like way, way, way back ago, and it was called—I um, don't know—even I don't know if you can look it up anymore, right? Um, there was a thing called IDXL, Intelligent Data Exchange okay. Language, right? And you know, we had to pay for that. Kind thing, of a king's thing, ransom, yeah. and it was it was it was very primitive though. But it was really kind of like a precursor. Um, I'm going to imagine even for like Pearl was really out there, so you could really start playing with the, this stuff. It was expensive. Um, that company uh, was, was a little startup a long, long time ago um, out of the East Coast, and they were basically plugins on top of Oracle. Um, very primitive, moderately expensive. Um, they wrote it, they iterated on it really, really fast. Um, but then it all became so much more, you know, like with Perl, right. Um, and then with Python kind of running through that kind of stuff. So it just gets people to really understand it really, really well. Um, and then what's really funny, fun about it, right. Um, they're teaching all the open source stuff in school right now. Um, you know, my son's getting some, you know, advanced degrees and stuff like that. And no matter what you wanna do, the data science element of that is just huge, right? So then with all you know, with all the Python, all the pandas, right? Everything out there is just really great. Um, but you know, software is software. And then these people wanna consume it, but also like the community training to support that is so open. That's what I think is really, really cool about it. They can then analyze it. Um, it's no longer under lock and key. So um, that, transparency, that sense of community, um, that sense of sharing just helps everybody. So um, yeah, it, it just kind of works out pretty well at this point. Uh, you, you
1: obviously uh, picked up on <laughs> some of the main yeah. uh, factors there on about own source software. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about the the, the school bit. I, I think you're presumably referring to um, when you mentioned data science, things like uh, uh, PyTorch, et cetera, but um, uh, I don't know about the schools in in the us but uh, over here most schools are till, still teaching people to use microsoft products right to in the in the you know the lower schools so I, which is something yeah. that is obviously helps their <laughs> control of that kind of market but um is, is that the same over there
2: oh no it was, it was actually very different um okay so without giving too many personal details right um yeah so uh they were one of these data science classes, um, you know, a kid with the advanced degree, um, I was like, let me see your computer science homework. Like, Come on, like, use, use... Yeah, yeah. and then really what it was, it was like, ooh, wow, using a Python, it's getting exposure to like Jupiter and in notebooks and pandas and all that great stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're really teaching them how to run it like inside of there, which is really kind of cool. Um, so they didn't have to go through all the stuff like, you know, how do I set up my my laptop with, you know, setting up, yeah, everything else you need to set up on it, right? You know, you got to, you, know, you guys know, right? Setting up your laptop could be kind of a kind of a challenge if you're not like into that level. Um, so they got these interfaces and they get right into the programming paradigms. And uh, the beauty of it is it's not Microsoft, meaning, you know, M- Microsoft is great for a lot of things it does, um, but you know, the, the open source just gives you so much more with so much transparency. And I even think more importantly, right? You know, it, it's life, right? You know, things break, things fail. Um, <laughs> why, why do I have to call up a one eight hundred support number? Somebody's probably run across that. Um, so yeah, learning how to use all those sites where people are helping each other um, is really really fun, right? And so it teaches them to collaborate. So it's not just it's actually yeah, just just, just use,
1: using it. You're problem. actually also needing to yeah, interface with the community. Yeah. yeah. Very nice, very nice, and yeah. and you know the project that you mentioned are all open source as well, right? It's uh, right, right, just an example of what can right. be done.
2: Yeah. Now, now the challenge is in this part of my career. I've worked in, um, you know, pharmaceuticals a long, long time ago when I used to say, "Oh my God, they have more money than God," right? Their money was pouring in, right? And then healthcare kind of pivoted a little bit, pivoted a lot, especially at that level. So they kind of like lowered the drawbridge, um, but. They had big development communities, right? They were funded so well. They could spend so much. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth initially. We just got to play with a lot of this stuff. Um, And that was really good. Then I worked in other organizations. I would kind of come in like, you know, hey, you're the brain on a stick, right? You know, we need a contractor, a consultant, somebody who comes in and knows this. And, you know, let's be honest, right? A lot of times when you're good, the reason you take a contract job is to bypass internal equity, right? It's like, yeah, okay. Now I'm going to make, at least twice as much as the employee sitting right next to me because I'm going to deliver like crazy. So, you know, done a lot of that, especially in a development community. So I've worked in a, in finance quite a bit. Um, said the pharmaceuticals quite a bit, um, so many different verticals that I've worked in. Um, and they've always had some semblance of a development community and the developers are out there playing, they're tweaking stuff. Um, The one thing that's really interesting about where I'm at right now for um, about the past year and a half. So where I am right now, it's a well-funded, small series of community hospitals and clinics, right? They're doing emergency rooms, respiratory therapy. You know, it's the place you go and you get really sick with COVID. It's not a teaching hospital. Right, they don't. So they have some research there, but not much. They're a well-funded community hospital that does really well in Silicon Valley. Um, so they really don't have big funding issues. But this is the first place I've ever worked at, um, and I can say this unilaterally: first place I've ever worked at that has absolutely no developers. I'm so like, how do they get? How do they get by? Um, And it's interesting with the open source, just looking at from a risk perspective, a funding perspective, you know, they need a throat to choke perspective. Um, It's a very uh, interesting industry. Um, Now, I'm sure they use much more open source and have a lot of developers um, and research facilities. Uh, I will take, I know in particular, I know uh, UCSF. You know, world-class institution, without a doubt, crazy well-funded, crazy smart people there, crazy research going on, um, obviously a lot of clinical stuff. Uh, they got sorry, taken Brian. down by... Oh, sorry, sorry, Brian. Yes.
0: You uh, standing for University of California at San Francisco? Correct. Yes. Sorry. For, for those two listeners in the audience that do not know that acronym, sorry. Yep.
2: We're, we're oh. World-class. Incredibly sorry, well-funded. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. And then so um, they had a lot of smart people right on the clinical side where you're doing delivery of, you know, what doctors, nurses, um, pharmacists need. A lot of that's not open source because it has to be so locked down, so well vetted for for a bunch of reasons. But when you bring the open source stuff in, it does create um, a lot of security risks. And I know in particular, UCSF, they got hit with a modest ransomware attack i'm going to say this is about maybe two two and a half years ago and it came in through one of their research labs right so um and i remember hearing uh the negotiations they released the negotiations with the people who are holding a ransomware Um, so you have these people doing research they want to iterate on their tools real fast they essentially become their own shadow it organization They can right-click, download anything they want, and in there becomes the problem. The UCSF ransomware piece was um, the bad bites came in um, through the research lab, and then it was able to infect a couple other things, and then UCSF had to write a check and then went back to work, right? So with that, and also in this industry, especially in a clinical delivery, it gets really challenging. because we are so highly regulated um the gov- and we're such a, a this country is so it, it, so litigious right everybody's looking to sue everybody else and there are so many regulations in this country we have um HIPAA um uh, health information portability, something or other right we have to protect uh um, accountants. Yeah, so we have HIPAA data, we have PHI data, and we are really cognizant of making sure people who shouldn't see that data um, don't see that data. PHI, of
0: course, standing for personal health information, if I'm completely mistaken, for for those people who are not familiar with the
2: acronyms. Correct. So we're really working into that. Um, Yeah, it's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. That's HIPAA. And then PHI, I believe, is like private health care information. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the United States, have to deal with HIPAA and PHI, right, fully support that. Then inside the United States is California. So then they have all their extra layers of protection on top of that. And then so you take one little step sideways um, and they, they can literally shut you down right? You violate that stuff, they will either, you know, so compliance is a big thing they take serious. So with that, that also means, you know, the open source model, it's hard to get one throat to choke. Um, Let's even take something, you know, relatively simple. Uh, I think it was just earlier this calendar year, maybe it was like December or January, the whole, you know, log4j fiasco, right? So I believe, you know, log4j came in through, Stuff that was written on open source, and then our other vendors are writing all their wares on top of it. So we don't have, you know, first of all, we have literally hundreds of applications that do everything. Um, Some of them are big, like EMR, um, emergency. I'm sorry, uh, electronic medical records. In the United States, there's basically two main providers of EMR systems, right? And they're huge, right? Uh, Yes, they build an open source but then they build it and they're accountable for everything. So they manage it. Um, So the open source component is not something I have to worry about. I have to manage my vendor and not the code. So that's what makes it really, really different over here. So you have to kind of watch out for all the CVEs, whatever else is going on, zero-day exploits. Um, So we watch that. But again, we don't have our own development team. (laughs) So, But what we do have is... um, really good um, policies, procedures, proof of controls for how we manage our internal infrastructure, for how we do lifecycle management of applications. Uh, And then we have a really world-class security team um, who keeps on iterating and building more. And they also use some vendors to help them out to make sure there's no blind spots. So the defensive posture that we take is, is huge and it's expensive uh, for all those reasons I just mentioned, we don't want data leaking out. Um, Like I have a folder, I have a personal folder over here on my laptop um, and it's just called another data breach. And for all the stuff I get is, oh, we're sorry, your data has been lost over here. It's like, it happens all the time. Um, In healthcare delivery, even clinical research, right? Simply cannot let that happen. So the threshold is really, really high, right? And at this role I've got right now, you know, I'm managing the infrastructure for the hospital um, and everything else that entails, you know, we're on-prem, we've got DR off-site, you know, we're in a couple of different clouds, you know, we're moving to all that stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who's supposed to keep the bits flowing, but I do deal with the cyber teams on a daily basis, um, the compliance teams, on a weekly basis, just to make sure we have all those controls. So because of that, um, really my point is there's a lot of open source. We know it's there. We just don't manage it at this point. We don't manage it. We have our vendors manage it. Um, you know, because also developers, if you're going to have somebody come in and take care of it, developers come and go and you always have to have somebody who's accountable for like you know we need to patch this we need to change that so between the the functionality that's required to make it work um the security the workflow um it's very very expensive uh and it's also hard to innovate in this space i think that's where the biggest challenge is right how do you take um so in in the united states um I'm a, I'm a taxpayer. I pay way too much. I think the government wastes money. Um, they're not effective. And then- I think we that's pay... not, not any different than in other country, to be honest. <laughs> that's, yeah. And, okay, most people okay. probably have that view about taxes. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah but, but, but then I add on top of that, the amount of money that we pay in this country for healthcare is out of control. And I'm okay with paying money, right? I but. I think the value proposition is very much lost, right? So there's where I think the challenge is, right? You've got all that value, all that intellectual property, you know, all that community vetting inside all the open source, we're afraid to use it. There's a lot of savings inside of there. You know, and back in the United States, we've got um, the most expensive healthcare in a developed world, right? Cool. We have the worst performing metrics of healthcare <laughs> in all the developed nations. So we're paying a ton, we're not getting the value returned on that. Um, and part of it's the reasons I just mentioned. You know, there's other things that are going on, you know, the government steps in, you know, people are smoking too much, people are drinking too much, but I think that's everywhere. But then how come we can't solve these problems um, using software? And I think part of the challenge that we've seen too is um we've had big companies come in too inside the industry. Uh you know, Google's come in, Microsoft has come in, um IBM's come in, right? You know, their Watson thing in their healthcare. Um there's some really smart people there. Uh, they find it hard to be in the industry also. Right? It's just like hard, hard. Yeah, yeah. So so uh,
1: I just wanna follow, follow up on well, a couple of things. <laughs> the uh, um you mentioned the, how I can software solve this problem about you know uh, pe- people looking after their health, for example, right? Um, but the fact is that I mean I don't know how much you know about the UK, but the reason why, or well, one of the reasons why. Smoking isn't banned altogether, is because the taxes on this fund <laughs> a large amount of money towards the healthcare to go for it. So, in a way, the uh, let's say yeah. the, the smokers are funding the healthcare to a, a large degree, uh, if we put it that way. Um, so, so, yeah, it's kind of a yeah, I find it's an economic decision to do that. But um, uh, I mean, the technology is there, right? Clearly, you could you could do this, but then there's the the freedom of choice scenario and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Uh, Sorry, another thing I want to (laughs) follow up on is: you mentioned you um, you use vendors for your uh, to manage your open source software or manage. Um, Is that vendors on on the level of uh, let's say uh, you uh, pick up? Pick a uh, technology, uh, Red Hat, for example, or uh,
2: Postgres is supported, or or is it uh, at a different level that you? Um, so, yeah. so, so the way the way they're managing it at this point is uh, EMR. Sorry, Brian.
0: Um, sorry, Brian. You you can use other soft open source software. It Doesn't have to be Postgres. Just please <laughs> oh, that okay. in.
1: Okay. I'm sure you but didn't use, it. It. use any Reddit or Rust
2: over there. <laughs>
0: that's hey, right yeah, yeah. sorry ryan just go ahead sorry
2: yeah no no no, no reddit unfortunately not yeah sorry chris yeah so, um yeah so you know um there's two major emr is the big thing right um electronic medical records and in the united states there's basically two main players who do that and we know they built a lot of the stack on top of open source right like why wouldn't they um but they also use, it's kind of a mix of open source and then proprietary software. So, you know, they kind of mix it, it's on them. And we're really just paying them for functionality. Um, and they iterate every quarter, they're doing major functional releases. Uh, and the functional releases are, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of different, right? It's like, um, you know, how do we discharge a patient? and make it seamless and make sure they get all their papers. And even things that are getting printed are secure because it's theirs, right? And if somebody loses that paper at the printer, how do we make sure there's no PHI on it? Like really complex scenarios and they work it through. Um, so they do end up having that. What is interesting about the open source and healthcare though, that I've seen, um, there are quite a few open source initiatives. Um, if I'm lo- and again, all these views are completely my own. so. Um, I could be off base here. Uh, they don't represent anybody I work with, anybody I hang out with, right? They're, they're all mine, uh, just to be clear on that. But now when I look at the list of open source healthcare software, um, what I kind of look at is there's a couple of really good initiatives out there, but really what they're for, it's an economic issue, right? They're really being developed for um, not developed countries. Like the UN's coming in and says, oh, okay, we know uh, one of these countries that aren't as fortunate as ours, they have open source initiatives to at least get some semblance of technology to help with healthcare in third world countries. So it seems the, and what they'll do with that is, you know, they're not going to worry about all the regulations, I assume. So there is a lot of good uh, open source health related software. Um, some of it's for clinical use, clinical research. Uh, some of it's for, you know, actually delivering what the patients need, um, but it's not in a developed world. And I don't know why. I I, I just don't. Um, cost okay. value, value propositions, I don't know. And I think that's the big challenge, right? How do you, again, I this, this be the second time I've said it because I think it's so important. How do you get that open source model? How do you get that? a quick iteration of trying stuff out um, while making the clinical experience better and frictionless um, and more secure, right? How do you do that? I think that's the big challenge. Oh, and then when you do it, here's the other thing, right? Let's say you built the proverbial better mousetrap. The return on investment here, um, it's, it's interesting. Because our government in this country, you know, we've got this like Medicare, Medicaid stuff. Um, We're dealing, same thing you guys are dealing, you know, hey, thanks for the COVID relief, right? Awesome. But now we've got our hangover, right? Part of it is, you know, inflation. And inflation, I think, is running about like 8% here, right? It's it's global, actually. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) global. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then um, the government has come in because they're a big payer. And as of the last I heard about two weeks ago, even though our cost has gone up by 8%, we have supply chain issues, everything else that we've got going on. Um, the government said, oh, we're going to give you a 2% raise on your medical coverage. <laughs> so it's like, where's the incentive? Like, where's the incentive to, to innovate? They're like, we're going to pay you less per person. Um, you, And so you have to kind of crank out the volume of people that you're, trying to help in order just to make the same amount of money that you made last year. Um, so it's that capital investment, right? It's that capital and training investment, right? So that's the financial side of it. So there's that challenge. Like, so how do you do that? Right. You know, better, faster, cheaper, right? How do you do that? The other side of the coin is that when you change something in the clinical world, um, the healthcare providers, just you don't even want to move an icon on their desktop, You don't even want to have a form that's going to have a different flow because these are really smart people. But you want to talk about people who are stressed. They don't have time to figure that out. You know, you and I might go, oh, look, it's time to upgrade our operating system. Let's go take 20 minutes and then we're going to have to kind of maybe, you know, play with it for an hour and say, hey, it works. Right. Folks like you and I like doing that, like diving a technology. Hey, it doesn't work. Let's go make it work, right? And then we'll iterate, make it better. There, they have no time to even think about that. It's like I've been doing it like this for years, because they need to spend less time with the technology, not more. they need to spend more time with the clients, you know, the sick people. So th- th- those are challenges, right? And so, like, how do you take the open source and help them to iterate better, faster, cheaper, quicker? frictionless, right? There's a challenge in that and there's a big opportunity. Um, Yeah, so I can define a problem. I just don't have a solution to it yet.
0: Uh, Oh, very interesting, Brian. Uh, Thanks for the insight. Going back to the security thing just a little bit because (laughs) this is kind of close to my heart. How do you see... Communities/slash organizations such as the OpenSSF, as in the Open Software Security for uh, Secure Secure Security Foundation, I think yeah, Open Source Security Foundation, exactly, as in the recent establishment as 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 a subsidiary of the of the Linux Foundation, to be relevant, be present in your daily in your daily work. As in, what level of influence or support, rather, do you see coming from this?
2: Yeah, I think there needs to be a lot more transparency in what they are um, chartered to do, right? And I know with the security stuff, um, we have a lot of really good companies that we use to, you know, to scan us, to tell us what's going on, prioritize the fixes. Um, but how do you how do you get ahead of that and try to engineer those things out from the beginning? I, I again, I don't know it would be nice to be proactive and not reactive, right? We're in a completely reactive world. You know, the proverbial horse is left the barn. You know, somebody <laughs> stole it. Um, how do you get ahead of that? Uh, it's really complex. And I think a lot of it too is just with, uh, like look at that, uh, that putty hack, right? Like putty. Putty should be like very, very simple. Like with that putty hack, that hack from that group that, that uh, what, what Microsoft's calling them uh, Lazarus, Right, like Putty uses a way to get inside um, your network and destroy assets. I mean, it's it's wild. Um, but th- there's Putty, so many vectors coming in.
0: Putty, I reckon, being the Windows compatible or other Windows based open as SS, uh, sorry SSH client, I suppose. Correct.
2: Right. That's been around forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, almost exactly yeah, oh, yeah, older than probably. I am. That, that's a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the other one, right, was that malware uh, chaos, right? That Linux-based thing that Black Lotus Labs found, right? It, it, you know, goes in, you know, and really, it explicitly is starting, like, you know, free BSD. Like, how do you get ahead of that? Like, how do you prevent that from happening? That's where I think, like, the big move needs to be. Like, again, right, I'll define the problems. When I was younger, it was great. It was like, oh, I could define a problem. I'll give you three solutions. Pick one. But the world has gotten much more complex. I'm really good at like defining problems and then just going, okay, see you tomorrow. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity in that. There's a lot of opportunity. Talk, talk,
1: talking about problems and uh, changing changing the subject a little bit, um, having researched the, let's say, I mean, healthcare is a big, big problem. Uh, well, topic, right? There's there's uh, lots of different different subdivisions of this, or, or different um, parts of really. it. But um, when doing some research at lots of places, you, the main kind of feedback that you get is like, oh, we're not ready for, um, I mean, like you mentioned before, we could solve a lot with software, but uh, we're actually still trying to decipher most of our handwritten notes and trying to uh, <laughs> uh, sort of do- documentize this um, electronically. Um, is that the case in, have you seen seen that in your uh, work and how do you see that changing in the short term, or if at all? <laughs> uh documenting things electronically well it's line? just a general it's like oh yeah we don't really um uh, we're really behind with um let's say uh automating all our processes right it, it's it's lots of it is yeah we don't know uh, what information we have on patients very well and um you know doctors right handed a note and then they need to be collected in a folder still and stuff like that it's it sounded like um uh, or, or in lots of cases, it's not as, as streamlined as you uh, think it may maybe. You know, on the other side, obviously, in in places like drug development and stuff, there is a lot of um, uh, data science going on to make those processes better. But yeah, on on the pure sort of hospital side, that's yeah, the, the feedback that I've heard many times. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, and and I think because we have two main platforms of record in this country for EMR. Right. I think that anyway, right. Uh-huh. These are my views from being here. So we have this one thing um, we have, uh, it's called Epic, right? Uh, Epic is used very widely and I believe it's number one competitor or maybe it's even superior to it, It's called Cerner, right? So there was two different ways and that's where all the EMR records generally are. So when you're an Epic uh, Epic was written by this lady who was clinical. Uh, her name is Judy, and she really brings kind of like a nurse's perspective on this. Um, so, you know, what does that mean? You know, it's empathetic for the patients and the customers, you know, for the sick people, uh, patients. So it's empathetic towards that. It really tries to go through a clean clinical workflow because it's my understanding, you know, she envisions people, you know, having to interface with the computers and the patients at the same time, so work it through. So very, you know probably designed from the right principles, right? And the technology works really well also. Um, and they give you full end-to-end support. They, they monitor everything, right? Really... Then on the other side of that, you have Cerner. Cerner, it's my understanding, was written by a long time ago. We had to consolidate this, so it was written by a bunch of accountants, literally. Um, you know, they funded that. Uh, Oracle recently purchased Cerner, so it's really made to, you know, hit the minimum hurdles, right, share records, get the compliance, you know, get the billing, get the patients in and out, right, so they do the same things. Now, I don't know how well those two systems even talk right. to each other.
0: I mean, that's a, that's a fair choice for Oracle because Oracle is run by accountants anyway these days, I suppose. <laughs> Just a well, joke like, on
2: this. Uh, I, I think no, it has no, been for the last
1: no. twenty years.
2: <laughs> oh, well, so <laughs> like, all right, this? all right, no, so you, all right, you, I'll I'll take the bait. Right, I, I did work for Oracle a long time ago. of so,
0: so Martin. By the way. <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and, and I worked for them because I said their technology. You know, at that point, I was like, wow, they're they're going to kind of run a big part of the world. And I was like, "But they're so hard to deal with. So let me go work for them for a bit." So, just so, so,
1: so just to, to to date people, which which version did you start with? Five. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, well, I, I can I can like beat that. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: start with three, yeah. right?
1: No, no, yeah. four, four. Okay, yeah,
0: well, Only yeah. briefly, yeah. yeah. It's just But, but when I went there,
2: right? yeah, and, and <laughs> then when I yeah, when I went there too, they were they were essentially right, like no tongue in cheek over here, right? Like, um, there were two organizations that you did not mess with, in Oracle, right? One of them uh, was legal, right? And they would you know were strongly supporting, you know, um the revenue stream coming in, right? Your contracts and your payments, right? Come after you. If you're like a a day late, a dollar short, they come after you hard. So that legal money-making machine, right? Paramount to them, you know, very successful financially. And the other one was their developers, right? Their developers are treated like gold, right? They were so heads down and focused on what they were building. So yeah, yeah, and it was kind of cool. Like living in this area when I moved here uh, about 30 years ago, I moved into the Bay Area. Um, Yeah, so I got to meet a lot of the developers who were, you know, writing all that code, you know, forms 2.0 or 3.0 stuff like that, right? Um, Writing, you know, the kernel modules and stuff like that. So meeting those folks, right, was was really interesting. But those were the two classes of people, right? Don't mess with their money and don't mess with their brain power. Everything else was up for grabs. Everything else is up for grabs. Um, but yeah, they they bought them because you know, you're locked in revenue. Um, so I think you do get tied in, but one of the things that they are working on, right we do have a lot of providers that are out there, um, you know doctors who are on their own, and they integrate with these systems. So there are um, you know, there's, there's APIs, so you know the other communities can connect. These other uh, EMR infrastructure, which keeps track of everything, which is really good. Which is really good. Um, Yeah. So, you know, on another note, too, one of the other things that's a challenge, and I need to dig into this, is they have what they call their PACS systems, the radiological systems. So they were having some big performance issues when I first got there. I still don't fully understand the stack. I got to dig into it. Um, But all the, you know, the way stuff is digitally progressed over the years, all the images that are out there, um, you know, machine learning, you've got the AI, you've got these giant images, you know, you're generating terabytes a day of images. Um, what? Where's the better place for AI machine learning, right? Is it uh, through open source and a community or is it through uh, private development? Right. You know, if I had to flip a coin and say, pick one, you know, bet who's paying drinks tonight. I would say I'm going <laughs> go to go the the open source community. Right. It's definitely going to make it better. And I don't know how much they leverage it. There's a lot of challenges in there. There's a lot of data in there. Um, a lot of abstract data because it's not columns and rows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the image processing part
1: is, is has been well developed in the, in the AI scene whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh radiological images or other the, I mean, you know, the machine is better at detecting cancer than, than, you know, yeah. experienced doctors, right? Stuff like that. So it's, it is a well-developed field, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I for that. Yeah. Thing, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and back to the digital records, right? I do think people are looking at it. Like everybody used to bring a piece of paper in, right? It's like, ugh, but now it's like, Ooh, look, I can fill my stuff out on electronic form. Right. That's not a digital record, right? To me, all right, it's stored in a database somewhere, right? So from that perspective, you know, it's not paper, it's in a computer. But still, the real thing with the digital record should be hey, I'm over here. You got my biometric data. Why are you asking me again what my middle name is? Why are you asking me for my phone number, my medical ID, right? Why do I have to keep like just typing it into an electronic form? instead of writing on a piece of paper to me that's not a digital record right the digital record should say hey you can i give you a retina scan i'll give you a thumbprint scan maybe one other thing and then we know who you are right to me that's the way it really needs and i think if you do that you'll eliminate you, know, you can help reduce fraud right uh, theft of you know financial assets theft of electronic Records that you've got that identify you. Um, so you yeah, have the digital records. We have, a, I, I don't even think that that's really been touched. And th- that's huge. And I think people, unfortunately, go, oh, look, I have an electronic form. I don't have to like fax you a piece of paper. Right. So again, huge opportunity, huge opportunity. I reckon, Brian, we could go
0: on. The, uh, we could go on about this for hours, but what would be a kind of concluding? Summary here with regards to where do you see the challenges apart from the ones you just mentioned, and the road forward with regards to open source, especially in that medical environment that you have been describing and that you and that you're working on right now. Need to reduce the fear of the unknown
2: and learn it, right? uh, the people who are being obstructionist about it, um, they need to be educated. Um, and we need to get away from the oh, let's get litigious first, right? Because when you do that, people are afraid to move forward. That's one leg of it. But then also from a, a an end user experience, I don't care what it is, too, right? Like even if you're in finance, right? From an, you know, Amazon's done a great job of it, right? You want to buy something over there, it's it's frictionless. So how do you make all of this you know frictionless? for the end users who are essentially doing clinical delivery, right? So like, how do you do that? How do you do that? Right. Um, like, you know, I've worked in the finance industry and that's pretty easy. You can just bully people. And as long as you're making money, no one cares, right? No one cares. Um, here it's just a different world. And then the investment in development, um, it's just getting all 100% outsourced to vendors. So I think these agencies need to bring some of that in house govern it better. And then, you know, the buy versus build thing, they need to balance that out better. Because right now it's just buy, 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 buy. And you really can't even negotiate on price that well. Um, so yeah, I think if those two obstacles are uh, managed properly, uh, it could help move, move the needle forward, you know, pun intended.
0: Interesting perspective, Brian. And thank you very much for that insight. That food for thought indeed. Let's put it this way. Brian, we have a special kind of end sequence with that with that show it's called pox of the week as in sorry pox as in pick of the week in terms <sighs> of we mentioned something that we have come across within the last couple of weeks that is worth mentioning martin normally goes for amy for amish adult ed- entertainment uh, websites i normally mention a book or movie or something like this but jokes aside anything goes brian so what have you come across in the last two weeks that you, or couple of weeks let's put it this way that you've that you a find worth mentioning, and as I said, anything goes. Whether it's a movie, whether it's uh, a coffee shop in the Bay Area, just go for it.
2: Oh God! Uh, <laughs> I keep how are you guys going to get through winter without gas? We're going to sell you some gas, and we're going to become rich.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's yeah, yeah, the yes, okay, fair enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I heard? You know what? I heard? Yeah, we're gonna lift ourselves out of this because uh, you guys don't have natural gas over there. And then I heard uh, we've got so much. And well, then I did know. hear on, yeah, and I did hear on these tankers, right? I heard this yesterday. And these tankers look like how do you get, you know, liquid natural gas, right? I, you know, I didn't know when you fill up one of those tankers, right? It's at such a low temperature. Oh, when they turn it to a liquid, that's enough for I think they said like fifty. Each tanker that comes across, it's fifty thousand homes for a year could heat you guys up. Okay. So, so
1: uh, sl- slightly more than fifty thousand people
2: living here. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's just that's just one tanker. That's just one tanker, right? And then, like, you, you got to build. You know, we don't have the infrastructure to do it at that scale at this point, right? So, how do we build it? How do we build that infrastructure? Build a very long pipeline, yeah. Yeah, yeah, build a long pipeline, yeah, that's it. And, uh, and you know, and no smoking allowed. Or smoke. You can smoke. <laughs> nice one. So it's it's a second Marshall Plan with
0: regards to energy for Europe. Excellent. I like the idea.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Marshall Plan starting again. Yeah, and,
0: and I'm glad we're Yeah. And I'm yeah. Um, U.S. taxpayers, you heard it here first. <laughs> anyway, okay, Brian, thanks. Martin, what's your POX? in the ah, light of this uh, interesting development. <laughs> as put
1: it uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. Uh, maybe it should be uh, building how to build a pipeline <laughs> for over long distances. <laughs> but, uh, ah. uh, it, uh, I haven't come across that book yet.
0: <laughs> on the, and, and on the more serious side, Martin, anything worth
1: mentioning? Oh, yes. Uh, I recently started reading a book called The Codebook. Uh, ah, okay. That, and it is about the science of uh, secrecy from ancient Egypt to quantum cryptography. So a bit of a, a historical overview um, so so far, very detailed.
0: Exactly. Details may or may not be shown on a similar fashion, on a similar point. I'm tempted to mention Lee Child. He is a UK-born, but now US-based author. He's, unlike Martin's recommendation, not exactly on the heavy side of things, but rather he, for <laughs> example, did a series of books called Jack Reacher. It's about an ex-military uh, cop yeah. traveling the US and encountering various, for of a better expression, ex- adventures. As I said, it's, it's probably not... The most did, challenging
1: literature. Did you read the book first or did you watch the <laughs> series? Uh,
0: yes, of course, there's also a movie
1: franchise
0: by the same name with, what's his name again?
1: Um, oh,
0: who knows? What uh, later but Tom Cruise, exactly?
1: Ah, the, the original. original, yes. yes uh, there's a exactly. the more recent yes, one, yes, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, 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 There's also a TV series not hmm. with Tom Cruise, Indeed. I'm a, I'm a dad, exactly. But uh, needless to say, the books were there first. And the, although the adaptations are pretty are pretty good, I reckon, if you are into the more kind of detailed sort of things, just, just go for books. As I said, it's more on the entertainment side than on the challenging literature uh, variety. And with that, Brian, I would like to yeah. thank you for being on the show. That That's has so been more than interesting.
2: Yeah, my, my pleasure. And uh, try to stay warm this winter. And if you can, <laughs> thank you.
0: Yes, we will. We will.
2: And if you can't, buy our gas. Exactly, because <laughs> uh, Martin
0: will move to the UK. Thanks for that advice, Brian. Martin will move to to Germany because, as we all know, uh, G- Germany is in Europe these days, and so we have a better. Oh, no, 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 no,
1: no, no, all, all the ships come come to us first, so we, we <laughs> we're going to keep all the gas that comes from the US. Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With that people, thank you for listening and thank you and, and hope to see you soon.
1: This is the Linux in laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay
0: for the madness. Thank, thank you, you, for, you listening. for
1: listening. This podcast is
0: licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Market to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. you find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Gemando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <coughs>
2: Oh, you guys are coming in loud and clear.
0: Uh, yeah, we, we spent about thirty years on perfecting that audio setup, <laughs> give or take a few.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, yes. Well, the other thing that um, uh, on on a related topic, um, yes. Yeah, so, so Chris came over, and on his way back, he. He tried to take a take. <laughs> he took a took, took a boat back to Frankfurt for some reason. Don't know why. But anyway, on the way back, he dropped a few packages on on the Welsh coast.
0: <laughs> did uh, I know?
1: You did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, if, yeah, any donations? <laughs> send them to Chris because he's somewhat poorer at the moment. <laughs>
0: I see. Uh, maybe that was my double because I can't recall <laughs> diverting my my chosen path from the airport actually to a harbor. But that's beside the point. Fair enough. <laughs>